I'm Garrison Doctor. And I'm Corinne Doctor. And this is Fishing Stories. Episode 2 of Season 2. Here we are. And uh, today we talked to our friend Marcelo Perez. Uh, he is one of the men behind Untamed Angling out of South America. And they run a bunch of lodges that focus on jungle fishing. That's right. Yeah, in Bolivia and uh, Brazil. Yes. And two years ago today, Corinne just told me here, we were in the Bolivian jungle at one of the said lodges um, in Bolivia fishing for Golden Dorado. And we, of course, talk a little bit about that trip with Marcelo on this episode. And I didn't even realize that it was this week until Instagram reminded me. (laughs) For better or for worse. We'll be back one of these days. Yeah, we can't wait to get back to the jungle. Um, It's a magical place and Marcelo knows it better than most people and so even though we've been there we've only been there for a week and so getting to really chat with him about his many years of experience in the jungle is pretty cool. Yeah and his knowledge of Golden Dorado the fish and specifically that kind of unusual Bolivian population of Golden Dorado um, it's, it's fascinating stuff so. And his connection to the community that allows us to go fish there the chamane people who he knows their tribal elders really well he stays really connected with their communities so it's it's really fun to kind of hear updates on that side as well because they've been closed this whole time absolutely and he's been doing a lot to provide supplies to some of the more remote villages and some of the areas near where we were fishing and where we're fishing so um just great work from the Untamed Angling crew to continue to support those communities. Even when there aren't people flying into fish for the amazing fish down there. Correct. Well, let's dive in and uh, talk about fishing in the Bolivian jungle. Enjoy, guys. Cheers. Marcelo, are you there? Hey, how are you guys? Yes, I'm there. I'm here. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go good. again. Let's go again. <laughs> yeah. Good to talk to you. Uh, it's a pleasure, guys. Uh, you know, after all this long quarantine, it's a pleasure to talk with, with our fishing friends. Yes. I know. It's all we can do right now is just yeah. <laughs> look back. Unfortunately. We don't fish together this right. way. Right. And you're in right. Bolivia right now, Marcelo? Yes, I'm in my house in Santa Cruz, locked down for the last 90-something days. I just uh, went uh, out for two, three days because we were bringing uh, two plants of medicines and another supplies to to the Indian villages in Simane because they, they ran out of medicines in the, in the small medical center of Oromomo village. So they call us and I made all the procedures with the government to enter there and, and, and bring the medicines. Uh, it, was, it was good to go out at least for a while. Yes. Yeah, at least see something other than your apartment. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so yes. Let's backtrack just a little bit for people who have no idea what Jumane uh, is. Okay. So you're in Bolivia. Obviously, we know you through Untamed Angling. And you, mm-hmm. with, uh, with your partner and some other partners, own and operate many lodges in South America. Yes. Including well, the Mane Lodges in Bolivia, not too far from where you are in Santa Cruz. Yes, well, 
far, let's say far. It's two hours in a, sh in a small plane. Yeah. Not so far, but what we cannot go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It feels farther now. <laughs> so set the stage a little bit on, on the area that, that Samane is and, and just kind of tell people a little bit about the geography and the people and, and that. Okay. Well, um, Simane is, uh, the name of Simane comes from the Indian, the Simane Indians. We named it because of them, because they are the owners of the land. Simane is located in a national park and indigenous territory. And the environment is very particular because it's a transitional area between the foothills of the Andes and the, and the Amazon forest. Uh, in this kind of transitional areas, normally you find endemic species of different animals. And uh, at the same time, uh, these are the headwaters of a tributary of the Amazon River, the Secura River. The Secura River begins there in, the, in these mountains and uh, ends in the Mamoré River, which goes to the Madeira River, which is one of the most important tributaries of the Amazon River. One of the most uh, interesting things of Simane is that uh, the Dorados are not from the Paraná Basin, like the ones are most of the people know, you know, but they are Dorados from the Amazon Basin. Which is right, because they're only found in those two spots in the world. Right, and very distinct populations with those two watersheds. Completely different, yes. Right. The, the Paraná, I mean, the Dorados are originally from the Paraná watershed. But, uh, but this population of Dorados lives in all the headwaters of, of the rivers that begins in this chain of mountains. This chain of mountains starts close to Santa Cruz in the Amboro National Park and ends in the Madidi National Park in the border with Peru. All these rivers that, that begins in that chain of mountains has a population of Dorados that this is the only one population of Dorados in the Amazon basin in the world. Right. There's no other Dorados in all the Amazon, right. but this, in this place. Right. You know? So, well, there's that, an interesting theory we were working on for the last years. And now we began, last year we began a DNA study with uh, the guys of, uh, of Wild Conservation Society. Oh, cool. Here in Bolivia. They have a big office here. And uh, we got some samples, some DNA samples of the fish and made some studies because I, since I came here in 2006, I had the idea that these fish were, were a little different from the, from the Paraná fish, you know? Uh, I know the behavior and the, the look, the shape is very similar, but, uh, but some things about the behavior are different. So, so I, when we began to study uh, how they got there, uh, we find some very interesting things. So there's a theory of, of some Brazilian scientists that we work with uh, trying to think about how these fish get there. They pass through a river called Parapeti, which is in the border of uh, Paraguay and Bolivia. And the scientists know that this river, before the last glacial era, river was uh, drowning into the Paraná Basin. And uh, during the glacial era, it suffered a change, a geological change, and began to drown to the Amazon Basin. So oh. the, the strongest theory is that this population of Dorados passed in 10,000 years ago from one basin to the other one. 
you know and uh, and the other thing that is more interesting mm. is that those days the temperature was much lower than today the amazon was not a forest it was a savanna and uh, so that is very possible that the dorados conquer a much bigger area because they are so dominant and the and the theory is that when temperature begin to rise the dorados the population of dorados get stuck in, in this chain of mountains in between the very headwaters up to a range of temperature in the lower part of the river they don't get very low in the river yeah they're so not they, as they, comfortable down that low anymore no it's yeah. not like in argentina you know because they have lower temperatures in argentina and the migrations are larger right here the migrations are very shorter probably 200 kilometers and that's it because they move into this temperature range somehow because of this there's a population of, of amazonian dorados in this chain of mountains and right. in, an, in, in no, no other place of the world it's so cool. so we began to study it because uh, after 10,000 years of adaptation and evol evolution you know, of this fish to the mountains and, and, and this uh, environment, we thought that it's probably a different species. And the first studies, uh, counting scales and all that stuff, indicate that this very probably that it's a, a different species, a new species of Amazonian dorado. Wow, how cool. So, I mean, it makes sense just from the geography, you know, I, we talked to many people about our trip that we took to, to Tsumane, and it's, it's such a fascinating trip that people want to talk about and want to hear about. And a lot of people, when you mention Golden Dorado, think of those Parana Argent, you know, Argentine fisheries and the more kind of slower moving sort of Argentine waters. And I always you know we've ne never fished the argentine uh waters uh we'd love to at some point but the bolivian water is so incredible because of the structure yes of course because well, of and those. because we're trout people you know it just yeah <laughs> naturally kind of right. see them in the of sea <laughs> to be able to fish for them in those in the you know the secure kind of area in those those uh, big runs and fast water and rapids and clear Pockets creeks. And, and, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's the, amazing. The like a trout river. Yeah. The very first one that I caught was exactly that. It was pretty early in our first day, and I'm with our guide, Santi, and he's like, okay, Garrison, you work this big current. And Garrison's going, oh, my God, this is so much water. This is crazy to think that <laughs> there's going to be a fish there because they sit in that fast stuff, and he's like, Corinne, come up this way. Like, we're going to fish this pocket. And I'm like, this pocket? He's like, yeah, right there by that rock. I'm like, really? Like, I'm picturing it like as big as our dining room table. There was a brown trout there, you thought. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so he's like, yeah, just basically bounce the streamer off the rock and, and you'll be good. Sure enough, I make the exact cast he wants me to. And immediately, flecks of gold are flying through the air. Like, it was not a giant fish, but it was amazing to see a fish it like that come out of fish. there. Yeah. It's yeah. an amazing They I love mean, that fast. After, oh, yeah, they do. I can tell you after, I don't know, 45 years or more fishing for Dorado, I still have the same emotion when it jumps the first time out of the water. Yeah. Uh, when you set the hook and immediately the fish jumps, 
it's something like, oh my God. And, and, and let me tell you, I see the same spark uh, in, the, in the angler's eyes than in the Indian's eyes yes. when it happens. You know, everyone gets really amazing. And it's a, it's a beautiful, so strong, so powerful fish, you know. You know, uh, the, the, this fish, like perhaps not many other fish, at least in our, in our rivers, was considered sacral by many different ethnics in the past. Many different Indians uh, gave the Dorado the, the status of a god because of this power and beautiful body and the strength and all these things. You know, I think that there's some kind of connection between the feelings we have as anglers with when we catch one of these fish and the feelings the Indians have when they saw the Dorado crashing Sabalos in the shallows. And that's, that's kind of a connection, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and speaking about the area, Garrison, uh, the, the, the interesting thing, I, I believe if you went to the Secure Lodge, you fish all the structures. The headwaters with crystal clear uh, waters in creeks, small creeks and pockets and rapids. And the lower part where the Secure has more sand uh, flats and banks and structure. Yes, so fished all of that. the interesting thing is that you can fish in many different styles for Dorado. That, that's very real. You know, it's not just side casting uh, upstream like, uh, like, like fishing for trout. No, you can fish in the lower parts of the river with dry flies. Right. I think that Santi told you about uh, our experience with, with dry flies. Yes. And you can fish with big poppers or sliders in some conditions. And then you can fish with uh, big streamers in the, in the structure. There are many different possibilities in the same place. Because, again, as I said, this is a transitional area. So you have different uh, kinds of waters in the same fishery you know right and even the same section of water within a single day if you get a little rain will completely change character and it's different and we were like when we were there we had a fantastic week and we had a week where we had crystal clear water days and then we had days where we got some rain and the river came up a little bit and then dropped and came up and when the river came up and those fish were in shallow as that dirtier water was coming down and really actively hunting yeah. was yeah. Yeah, spectacular. Yeah. There was one feeding frenzy when it was way far out of our reach. We just both happened to look upstream at the same time and two Dorado, one had the head and one had the tail of a Sabalo. <laughs> <laughs> flying out of the water and we thought okay this could they get were interesting. so angry and just like thrashing and one had the head and one had the tail and you're just you're like oh my god <laughs> this is a truly predatory fish and then you yes, your biggest just after that that's right <laughs> but but you know what the bear, i mean that's what in my opinion makes the dorado so interesting it could be like you say like a pit bull or like, I don't know, a predator crashing bait like crazy. And in this situation, when you find a feeding frenzy, you need to act fast and cast whatever you have in your rod because you don't have more than five seconds right. to cast your flight. And they will surely take it. And uh, at the same time, in another conditions, they can be 
spooky like a brown trout in yeah. the pool. And if you touch a branch or a rock and make a, a little noise, they go down like nothing. Yeah. You know, many people think that, that uh, Dorado is an aggressive fish and a predatory and that's it. But no, the range of behavior is very high. In Argentina, he adapted, and also in Brazil, he adapted to dams and uh, and bridges and civilization and people and 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 he changed the the food chain because the sabalos were object of uh, commercial fishing in Argentina. I mean, in big quantities, so they began to feed and other things, and 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 they adapted. You know, they yeah. live in the Ibera Marsh, which is completely quiet, still water crystal clear and they live in the currents of the Parana. They, they, right. they, are, they are really adaptive. You know, you mentioned that adaptability and the, the dams and the structure that they've adapted mm-hmm. to in Argentina. And I think one of the things that I really took away from our trip to Tsumane was, of course, the fishing and the staff. And we still keep in really good touch with the guides that are just Absolutely incredible people. Really cool people. Yeah. Yeah. Has but, to be, man. Imagine, imagine stay five months in the jungle. Right. <laughs> right. With a with a with a satellite Wi-Fi and trying right. to make a WhatsApp. You know? yeah. We <laughs> took to those things special. away, of course. Yeah, really but, very special people. Right. Yes. But the other thing is just to be able to experience and fish in a watershed that doesn't have any of that man-made structure at all. Exactly. I mean, from exactly. from the headwaters all the way down to many, many nothing. miles below where you are, there isn't even a road. Say no, nothing, nothing of a nothing. dam or a diversion. I mean, it's pretty incredible in this day and age to be able to fish a river of that size with that much biomass that's untouched. It's true, uh, and that's why that was was one of the reasons. Uh, that that made me think that it could be another species, because uh, the fishery is like it was 2,000 years ago. If you can imagine, there's just 10 villages along all the high secular river, and small villages of Indians with bows and arrows, right. and nothing else. You know, if you if you want to go to the closest small town, you have to do three days and three nights without stopping across the river in a dugout canoe. Yeah. With an engine, I mean, it's yeah. too, it's too uh, isolated, uh, and that does all the all the migration of the sabalos. Uh, probably people don't understand we're talking about sabalos are the bait fish of the river, of this of this river. This the sabalos are sixty percent of the biomass of these rivers, so that means that everyone feeds on sabalo. <laughs> the birds, the Indians. This is the principal protein food for the Indians. Right. Uh, that's why the Indians developed these incredible techniques to catch them with bows and arrows. Yeah. So sophisticated and, and incredible right. techniques. And, and uh, also the, the, some mammals, even the jaguar feeds some sabalos when they are coming up. And of course the fish. All the migration of these fish is inside the national park. The sabalos and the dorados come down in the rainy season after spawning and come up again in April, more or less, they begin to come up to spawning in the beginning of the next rainy season. Yeah. So all the cycle is protected. That's yeah. why you have this sensation when you go there. 
Yeah. Uh, not only you can feel it in the river. When you are walking along the banks of the Sequoia River or whatever, you feel the wilderness. It's yeah. very clear. I mean, you see all these jaguar tracks and and uh, uh, tapir tracks and all animals and all the birds and everything, and you immediately notice that it's really wild. And the yes. butterflies, so, just every butterflies are yes, yeah. are amazing. So yeah, we were lucky uh, enough to see a taper in the river, and there were fresh jaguar oh, really? tracks on the the sandbars most days. Just a quick pause to talk to all my fellow whiskey drinkers out there. If you're a fan of the brown and not just the trout, I've got to introduce you to our friends at Lock & Co. They've spent more than a decade perfecting their Aspen-aged rye whiskey, and I'll tell you, it was worth the wait. Rye whiskey usually isn't for the faint of heart, but I have to say that this is hands down the smoothest rye I've ever tasted. We love it after a long day on the water or, you know, that random Wednesday night. Also of note, when these guys aren't making whiskey, they're out on the river with the rest of us. So if you want to support another Colorado business and enjoy some fine whiskey, you will not be disappointed with Lock & Co. You can find them at most liquor stores on the Front Range of Colorado, or you can check their website, lockandcodistilling.com. That's L-O-C-K-E and co distilling.com. Well, one day in particular, we were working down into that, you know, more sandy area like you were describing. Mm -hmm. And it had rained. Bouncing from the lodge. Yeah. And it had mm -hmm. rained just a little bit before we got on the water. And there were jaguar tracks on the, on the shore. And one of our Indian guides walks over and he's like, you know, he's calling us over in Spanish. And he's pointing it out and he's describing how big of a cat he knows it is because of how deep <laughs> those yeah, because the sand were. was so firm that when you walked on it, you barely left an imprint. Yeah, the humans oh. were barely right because it was and very. The jaguar tracks were deep. Were so deep. He was a heavy animal. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and he was showing us because I wouldn't have thought about that really, Never. but when he pointed it out, you're like, "Oh wow, that is a big cat." Because those it, it is it is the yeah. third biggest cast of cat of the world. You know. Yeah. 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 After well, the lion I, and the tiger, this is the third. Uh, right. the, the jaguar is the third uh, biggest cat of the world. I was just going to say the sabalo. You know, I ha I knew they were the bait fish that were the kind of sustenance of the whole system, as you're describing before we went down. But I didn't realize that a full-grown sabalo is like three three to five pounds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, they, and that's they are much bigger in the headwaters. If you went to the headwaters, right. probably you see some really big ones. Yeah, right. typically when you talk about a bait fish, you're thinking of something little. Right? Yeah, it's like oh, <laughs> it's almost, so it's full size, yeah, it's six inches. No, no, like these things are pretty. Yeah. You speak in inches, right? Not in not in pounds and in inches. Right. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. Right, and <laughs> just speaking pounds. Peel off in in sheets by the hundreds and thousands. It's it's hard to describe. You know, you talk about the biomass in the river, and it's amazing just going up and down that river in a canoe, and the visual of how many hundreds of those things are in there. Yeah, just oh, yeah. waves peeling off. Phenomenal. Every once in a while, there's the sabalo-sized dorado in there too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's only comparable, I think, uh, with the salmon migration in Alaska. 
Yeah. In terms of numbers, I mean, there are millions of Sábados, millions. If you, if you throw a drone, I mean, it's crazy. The amount of Sábados coming up, coming up, the river gets black because of the backs of the fish. Unfortunately, you cannot catch it on the fly because if not, it would be like a bonefish, you know? Right. Yes. It's, uh, they are very strong and they run very fast. You yeah. can snag them. You have to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I snagged many. Yeah, I remember I snagged one in one of these little creeks, and I was like, oh, my God, what is this? It's fighting so weird. I was like, oh, it's a snagged song. He did fight pretty good. He fought very Oh, yeah, they are very strong. (laughs) Yeah. And they hide normally. They they don't have places to hide. That's that's why they go to the shallows. Yeah. So when you're wading across the river or crossing the river, you normally walk in between tons of sabalos, and you see that the sabalos... Normally, don't go very far away from you. If you right. spook them, they go a little bit, but they don't go to the deeper parts of the river or to the rapids because yeah. they know that dorados are there. <laughs> One of the, of the legends of the Biaguarani Indians in northern Argentina was collaborative uh, idea about the dorado and them because they, they thought they were bow and arrow hunters also, and they thought they believed that the dorado pushed the sábalo to the shores Mm. And then it make them easy to catch them with bows and arrows. Yes. Which is true, yeah. actually. You know? uh, and then Dorado is like a, get like a sacral fish because of this, you know, behavior, collaborative hunting uh, team between them and the Indians. Yeah, know? it's the symbiotic relationship because they all... Yeah work together for that mm-hmm. yeah pretty cool and and that's where you know have you heard probably that uh, the name of the tiger of the river in argentina it's a very old name for the dorado and, and it comes from the same myth of the of the guarani indians because they have a they have the disbelief that both the dorado and the jaguar named here and in argentina the jaguar is named tiger no. Yes, we heard so them say go, el tigre, el tigre, and I was like, well, that can only be yeah. one thing. Right. <laughs> so when they say that the Dorado is the river tiger, they are not referring to the Indian tiger. They are referring to the jaguar. Yes. And if you see, they are golden, both of them with black spots. Yes. You know, so, so the Guarani <clears throat> believed that they were both sons of uh, a god named Tupac that lives in the sun. Mm. And that's why they have these bright golden colors. One of them <clears throat> was designed to protect the jungle and keep it clean, kill all the weak animals in the jungle. And the other one is designed or designed to, to do the same in the waters. No. So both of them were sacred and you cannot kill it. That yeah. was one of the Guarani legends about the fish. That's what I was saying that uh, you can see the spark in the eyes of the Indians, even today, when a big dorado is caught and it jumps out of the water, they get excited because they are hunters and they and they give them they give them this special value. You know? Yeah, a lot of respect for that animal. And uh, and speaking in terms of, uh, I will go. I will make you a question then. Uh, oh. <laughs> what do you think about the fish? Yes, I think you fish a lot all around the world. So. What yeah, we've been lucky to fish in some great places. I absolutely love Golden Dorado. I, it's hard to describe to someone who's never caught one because they are very unique. But what I like to say uh, just from our experience is that 
they have some characteristics of a really big brown trout in that if there's structure, they will go to structure, right? If there's a log jam, I agree. That's, you know, like it has that same kind of power and impulse to get into structure like a big brown trout, but it has that immediate jump and explosion of a, of a small to medium sized tarpon. I think it's such a, a very like tactile and sort of combat fish because you're stripping usually just kind of full speed, you know, most of the time is like more akin to a saltwater strip of a bait fish running away. And you're on for a freshwater fish, typically pretty stout stuff, you know, for people who haven't seen a, a photo, I mean, Dorado have cutting teeth. They're not worried about trying to eat something whole like a trout. They have cutting teeth that are very, very sharp. So you're on 40 pound wire, heavy leader, an eight weight, a nine weight, you're stripping at full speed and they're very bony. I mean, the whole head is bone. It's bone. Yeah. yeah. So I, mean, the I, always, I always say that, that that is like a T-Rex head. Yeah. It's like it's a T-Rex head. Well, and it is so small, high. Small teeth. Big jaws, no? yeah. Designed to kill a uh, to kill yeah. a big animal like a big sabalo in one in one bite. Yeah, exactly. It's like a bear trap. So that eat and the set and the sort of combative nature of big predatory dorado in fresh water. It's just a fantastic experience. I mean, for anybody mm -hmm. who likes to fish streamers or poppers. I mean, the angler gets more beat up than the fish you know you're casting mm -hmm. big flies all day and then i mean just like so my hands are like a little more delicate than they should be for how much i fish but my hands were just torn up i mean line burns <laughs> and then blisters from stripping and so by the end i had like tape on every single finger and then i was fun <laughs> yeah. The other yeah, thing true. from a trout fishing perspective that I found really interesting about Dorado or even from a saltwater perspective is that I think, and this is just my conjecture, but I think because Sablo are exploding in different directions a lot of times when they're scared or when Dorado are hunting in, in schools, Dorado are not worried about the direction of the fly very much. In other words, you can strip the fly back at a Dorado lie at an angle. And, you know, mm -hmm. in, in saltwater fishing, you'd say pinch the fish, right? The angle's yeah. coming back at the fish. And a Dorado will still crush yes. that fly. In this, in this situation, when they are feeding like crazy, yes. Yeah. If they, are, if they are lying in a pocket water, in super clear water, yes. I mean, you have to put the fly half a meter in front of his head, exactly there, because if they see the line yep. or whatever, they will go. Yep. You know, yep. it's, it's, it's super different uh, from one extreme to the other one, from, from when they are feeding to when they are, when they are in, the, in these pockets, lying in these pockets, uh, heading to the current. Yes, they are feeding. They are waiting for some fish to come but they are also in shallow and crystal clear water. So if, if they see some strange movement or feel the, um, something different, they will run away you know, right. immediately. Right. Uh, but if you put the fly correctly, you know, and they will grab it for sure, for yeah. sure. Right. This is the most challenging 
type of fishing, I think, uh, for this fish because it is like trout fishing when you cast upstream. Right. But the difference is that you are casting a 20 centimeters uh, heavy uh, yeah. streamer, you know, right. and you need to strip very fast as soon as the fly touch the yeah, water. Immediately. You don't have time to fail. <laughs> if, you, if you fail the cast a little bit and you cannot strip, you're done. You're yeah. done. You spook yeah. the fish, you, you lose the opportunity. Yeah. I had one day, and Corinne, unfortunately, was a little bit under the weather for just uh, one day, and she was kind of recuperating at the lodge and just doing a little bit of rest. And I had one day, and I went up from Sukura, and it was one Mm -hmm. of those days, as you're describing, low water, just perfectly, perfectly clear. And it was such a memorable day, uh, I didn't catch as many fish. I I landed two fish that day, right? Well, one of them... Super challenging. One of them was a 20-pound, like, big purple-black haku from the the other side of a canyon. And the other one was, like, a 20-pound Dorado from, like, a crystal clear, you know, top of one of those big runs, just sitting right kind of where the fast water come in, sight fish to him and watched him eat. And so even though it was one of my lower fish number days, I only landed two, but they were both probably the most exciting. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> yeah. I love that too. I, I love it. My only problem is that I don't see very well. Mm. Uh, even with a with a prescription lens, I cannot see it very well. But fortunately, the Indians, I don't know if you noticed that, but oh, the, yes. the Simane Indians can spook a dorado from 30 meters yes. without sunglasses, without anything. It is it's amazing incredible. how they... So I, I always go with one of these guys, yeah. yes. you know, and they spot the fish for me. And it, right. the only problem is to understand in between which rock and which rock I have to cast... Yeah. <laughs> I know. But, I uh, had anyway. I had one day where I was with our two Indian guides and Garrison was with Santi just like, you know, <clears throat> like 10 steps away. We're like working this run. And because I can speak Spanish and they speak enough Spanish to kind of help okay. me out. They're like two right there. You know, they're pointing them out. And I'm like, oh, my God, I don't see anything. <laughs> I see <laughs> yeah. nothing. And I'm like, I'm describing, I'm like, this tree right at that tree and they're going see see i'm like okay so i like cast i missed the fish because it was that like too fast current i couldn't get enough tension but i saw him spook out of there like oh my god i was like okay well they are amazing (laughs) they're amazing yeah marcel you know good vision luckily i have better than 2020 vision i usually pretty good at spotting trout and you know we had our fancy polarized sunglasses on and i'm still i'm looking in there and i'm like how can you see i don't see anything in there (laughs) i have a story about that i thought in the very beginnings of Simane, I had the, the, we were trying different things. So one of, of, one of, of the things I thought was how much would these guys see with a polarized lens? Ah. You know? <laughs> that would be awesome. This would be like a Rex. And that, but, so I brought some, some polarized lens for them. And they were so happy because they, that's something new. They look good. You know, they were using it, uh, pulling the canoe with the, with the polarized lens. But when they have to fish, they, they put it up and say, Dorado, and they put it back again. <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't, they didn't, they didn't take off the, 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 take out the, the lens. You know, they use it because they like it. 
but they cannot see a shit with the lens. Yeah, <laughs> they take them off to spot the fish. That's hilarious. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Perfect. I mean, it makes sense if for your whole life you're used to seeing them and spotting them in a certain way, right? I mean, a tradition yeah. like that is passed down from such a young age. It's right. just... Right. Oh, yeah. Have you seen the, the bows and the arrows they made for the childs? Yes. Yeah, these tiny, tiny bows and arrows, and they are training to catch different animals and mostly fish since they have, I don't know, they are six years old and they are yeah. catching sabalos. Right. So I'm walking along the river. You know? So I love one it. of the interesting things of this is that, you know, all the, all the cultures in the Amazon forest, all the different ethnic cultures uh, are oral. They are not written cultures. If you cut the line in some point, it's lost. All yeah. the things could be lost. If you get, a, I don't know, a minery project here and use them as workers, uh, I mean, they, they will not be in the need to catch sabalos. And then, and of course, it will be lost, the culture of building our bows and arrows and, and how to hunt and all that stuff. And, and that happened in other areas, actually, in Bolivia. But one of the nice things of the project is that, that uh, because of the tourism and the interest of the of the anglers, uh, this this uh, culture is going through the years. Along the last, we have twelve years, twelve seasons running in Simane. My first time there in Asunta village was in two thousand six. So imagine they keep doing it. I mean, it makes them proud to have these uh, special skittles, and it and 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 it's interesting that uh, that you guys and most of the customers that come to Simane give the real value to these skills they have. Yes, you know? it's a perfect addition to work together with a professional fly fishing guide. Yeah, as we used to work, you know, this combination between their ancestral skills and the professional skills of a, of a fly fishing guide create the whole experience. And, and just kind of fill in there for hopefully lots of people listening will get the opportunity to, to visit at some point. And, and the way that usually a, a typical day sets up is you have a, a, a fly fishing guide who is usually Argentine, um, who's very knowledgeable and speaks English and Spanish about really the ins and outs of fly fishing. But then you're also for your day, um, you know, moving up and down the river because the river is the only conduit for travel. The river is your only way to move. So you're moving up and down the river in these beautiful, huge dugout canoes, uh, also Mm -hmm. with a couple of of the Indians um, who are there to help guide the canoe and spot fish. And they're also a lot of times fishing for Sablo, which is, you know, value add, like you're saying, it's an incredible <laughs> yes. piece to like yeah, be a part of that like and watch stop, that. Stop what you're doing and then kind of watch them with the bow and arrow for a while. Right. And, yeah. And then yeah. they'll stop what they're doing and watch what you're doing for a while. And, and it becomes yeah. a, a really um, fantastic like teamwork yes. uh, day. Exactly. You know, everybody's yes. on the team and you're trading off and you're moving through, you know, Corinne are trading off on the rod and and like you said, if somebody hooks a big Dorado and it jumps, I mean, everybody is ecstatic. That's it's exciting. Yes. That's, that's, what, that's because they are hunters. Yeah. They feel this excitement. You know, yeah. they enjoy it. When, when a customer catch a big fish, they are really happy. They're they feel happy. So our best teamwork was on our last day 
Um, and as Garrison mentioned, you know, we got a little bit of rain, so the water was coming up, and we weren't sure how long we were going to be able to fish. Because it know. was coming up pretty good. Yeah. And Garrison caught one fish early on in a feeding frenzy right at the boats at the lodge. Wow. Just, like, wow. immediately. Nice fish, too. From the shore. <laughs> like, didn't even get in the boat. It was a beautiful fish. <laughs> and then, you know, we were kind of struggling the rest of the day because it was just, like, you know, the chocolate milk water, and I believe it was, we were back with Angel and Reynaldo and Santi again. So we started our week with all of them, and then we ended our week with them. And Angel spotted a big pack of Dorado coming up. They hadn't started feeding yet. So he just... But they were shallow. You could see yeah. the V-way. Yeah, you could see the wakes. Yeah, yes, so he, very Santi was yeah. retying my fly because I could not tie the wire to save my life. And so he's retying my fly. He's got at least an inch and a half of tag left. He's about to clip it. And the feeding frenzy wow. starts. And he goes, nope, just cast. And so I saw this <laughs> tag. And so I cast, immediately hook a fish. We're still standing in the canoe. And then Santi jumps in the water to spook the other fish away. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. And because if not, they cut the line. They exactly. Cut the for so sure. that's always a little shocking. You don't expect that to happen. <laughs> so Santi's in the water. Two fish of really good size are like within casting distance. So Garrison gets, gets a cast at them. One of them eats. And we both are hooked up on the canoe. Wow. My fish tries to go <laughs> under the motor. Oh, man. Yeah, Reynaldo's in the back, like, <laughs> eating the line around the motor. <laughs> Garrison and I are like... It was a total mess. Oh, it was Absolutely. a total mess. But it was fantastic teamwork, and we <laughs> landed them both. We landed them both. Yeah. Oh, good. Nice fish, both? <laughs> oh, nice yeah. Nice fish. <laughs> really nice good fish. Yeah, we should probably tell the people, I mean, Dorado are very unique in terms of freshwater predatory fish in that they will hunt in schools and corner mm -hmm. bait fish in shallows and work as a team. And mm -hmm. so the first uh, bigger fish that I caught, as soon as I hooked it, the first thing that our guide Santi did was run into the river at the fish. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what in the world are you doing? <laughs> from, like, from a trout fishing perspective, you're like, he's gone mad. He's running <laughs> But Marcel, you tell, I mean, they'll try to eat the fly out of the other fish's mouth. Of course, yes. If, 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 one, if one dorado catch something, the other ones will try to catch the same bait. It's not that they are trying to catch the leader, but they are trying to catch what he had catched, you know, what he had caught. So, so they come and bite and bite and bite, and in one of these bites, probably they cut your leader right. and you're done. Yeah. Yeah. We had uh, yeah. one of the guys who was on our same week, uh, he was Norwegian, but he had one day and he lost, you know, he had a fish come try to bite the fly from another fish's mouth and he hooked up big fish and ended up, you know, flossing the line above the wire. And so it wasn't just the leader, it was the whole line. Yeah, he lost part of his oh. fly line on one. He lost a full leader on another one because if they get above that wire, as we talked about, those <laughs> teeth But, but this happened uh, downstream probably. Yes. And when, yes, when, yep. when you have these feeding frenzies and when the water is a little bit murky. Right. In very clear waters upstream, you don't need, you, you don't need to jump into the water or, right. because 
even when they are another fish and you will see it, they also see. You yeah, know? Right. that's true. And the other thing about the Dorado, you cannot miss it, is that they are so beautiful. I mean, it's not just they are strong and they have and they jump like a tarpon and they are take or have the behavior of a brown trout. They are beautiful itself. I think it's yeah, incredible. One of the most beautiful fish in fresh water, yeah. probably, is the salmon shape and the golden colors. Right. They are super beautiful. And uh, you know what? This is very funny, too. There are probably more than 2,500 species in the Amazon. Uh, the only golden fish is the Dorado, the only one. That's another thing to think about the fish like a special one, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I think that he has these colors because he's the tiger. Yeah. yeah. He, doesn't, well, they he are, doesn't have to be afraid of anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> they are just absolutely awe-inspiring when you catch them and the colors um are kind of hard to describe the the whole cheek plates um you know like yeah. you said the whole head is like bone like a t-rex but the cheek plates are this iridescent mm-hmm. uh gold that will kind of change colors depending on the light and how the light hits them uh, and speaking about what you said i think uh, before about the 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 way they corner the, the small sabalos or the sabalos to the shallows. I've seen it so many times along these years and, and we filmed it with, uh, with uh, drones and many different things. The most uh, close similarity I can tell you about that is, is uh, uh, lions and the news in the African savanna. It's very, very similar. I mean, you see all these sabalos coming in the middle of the river, like news in the African savanna, right. and packs of lions in the sides, going with them, nothing happens, nothing happens, they are going with them and going with them, and then suddenly a small group of, of dorados begin to do a different move and begin to corner the sabalos to the shallows, and then they be, the other group begin from another side, and it's like a strategy of, of hunting, you know? Yeah, and uh, they get crazy and begin to feed. Right, sabalos and dorados pounce together. When the rains begin and the water is high, their eggs, fertilized eggs, goes down, and the one that survives are the one that gets in the lagoons created by the flood, and then they hatch together. Mm-hmm. And since they are tiny, like tiny, I mean tiny, tiny, like microscope tiny, they are feeding on sabalos. <laughs> There are some pictures of, of them, like, looks, I mean, uh, white and black pictures of uh, Dorado with a sabalo inside that looks like an uh, alien, the, you know, the, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> really don't, doesn't look like a Dorado, but it's a Dorado swallowing a small sabalo since they are, like, super tiny. And when they are four inches, more or less, then in the next flood, they will go to the river and begin the process. Yeah, I think that you see, you've seen small dorados too. Yeah, not Bats that small. small I think, yeah, the smallest I think we saw was maybe 10 inches. 10 inches. Okay. Yeah. How big, I mean, not to be this guy, Marcel, but I mean, we love a big fish story. How okay. big is the, the biggest dorado that you've seen out of the Samana area? 35 pounds, probably. That's a huge fish in my book. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's a monster. And in the current, like this, if you are waiting, 
my god yeah it's a monster yeah. it's a monster we have some dates on the books so we hope to see i know we're very <laughs> I excited know. i know we're I know. very excited so. to, to be back <laughs> in that magical place for sure oh. Tell everyone how they can learn more about a trip. Um, just, just point them in the direction if they want to learn more. Well, first of all, one important thing to say is that uh, the Amazon forest is, is a super friendly place. Uh, I mean, I, I say this because normally <laughs> we have all this bad press from Discovery Channel and Nagio, mm -hmm. you know, that says that in the Amazon, there's something that will kill you. Even two steps, you have, uh, <laughs> you know, you have anacondas and piranhas and jaguars and crocodiles and nothing to do with that. Of course, there are animals, but I think it's uh, more friendly probably than a trip to Alaska <laughs> uh, <laughs> or whatever, you know, or or Kamchatka or whatever. You have big bears or tons of mosquitoes. There are not many bugs, as you have seen. There's right. not many well, roses. People need to realize that when you're moving around on the river corridor as your transportation, it's very pleasant for the most part. Oh, yeah. It's very. It would be a different story if you needed to, you know, trek for seven days through the heart of the jungle, cutting your way with a machete. There would be of course. some prickly <laughs> yeah. things, I'm sure. Of but course. when you are staying at a beautifully appointed lodge for being in the middle of nowhere, it's spectacular. Yeah. And moving up and down the river, it's it's really quite pleasant. It's not, um, you know, you're not faced with something that's going to kill you. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. That's the truth. And I, you know, I imagine that I made uh, also many different trips from the ones that the customers do. I'm exploring along these years many times the very headwaters doing camps. Same thing, nothing happened. I never seen something that was really dangerous or something to be concerned. I went many times with my wife, Michela, that, that also fish on the fly. And we had great times going to the very, very headwaters places where people normally or customers normally don't go so that's the first thing i have to say the second thing is that you there are many international flights that come to santa cruz de la sierra which is the main city where you travel and the package has included one night when you arrive and one night when you depart in a five-star hotel of santa cruz de la sierra which is really nice very nice santa cruz is a very nice city that has uh, interesting things to do. Uh, great in, restaurant, we, we, as yeah, we found out. Really good. Oh, yeah, nice, nice restaurant. And yeah, you remember, you know, we went to one. Yeah, <laughs> it was you know, beautiful. Yeah, drink the gin also. If you happen to be a gin call, oh, yeah. we unfortunately yeah. I think are out. Yeah, we our, finished our gin. We brought we're out of that. Oh, we brought a lot of Republica Amazonica. You uh, exactly. It's Republica Amazonica. If Amazing. you like a artisanal floral gin, it's just spectacular. It's incredible. Yeah, it's it is made at uh, four thousand meters, you know, uh, of high. I mean, it's it's really it's really a local a local fantastic gym. I love it. I love it. It's our traditional outcome uh, beverage drink. Yes. You know, the gin and tonic. 
Oh. In the jungle, when you do an outcamp, this is our tradition. Nothing better after <laughs> a, a hot, long day in the jungle. Yeah. Yes. So the Amazon Fantastic. will not kill you. Santa Cruz is your jumping off point. So you spend seven nights at the lodge, six days of fishing, and then come back to Santa Cruz, spend an hour night, uh, another night, sorry, in Santa Cruz, in the five-star hotel, and then next day or this night or whenever you have your departure flight. Since you arrive to Santa Cruz until you are leaving Santa Cruz, we take care of you and everything is included. Absolutely. Yeah. And so what's the website and email or Instagram? What's the contact info for people? The website, the website is simanelodge.com. It's very simple. The website of, of the company is santaindangling.com. And uh, if you go to Antain Dangling, you will have all the lodges, all the lodges links we have and an explanation about what we do and, uh, and about this partnership with the natives, uh, which is the base of the model I created long time ago when I began the company. And if you go to Simane, you will find more details about the three lodges and the trip. You can see pictures and some videos about what we do. Yes, excellent. Fantastic. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time and we hope to see you in person and, and drink some, oh. some gin. Uh, here gin. Too long. I will have it ready. I will have it ready. I promise. Fantastic. <laughs> it was a pleasure to talk with you guys. Yes, it was so good. Um, to thank talk. you for giving me the opportunity to talk a little bit. Uh, it makes me feel like I'm outside for a while. <laughs> a little bit of a so, We need that. Yes. Well, thank you, Marcelo. We'll thank talk you, Marcelo. soon. Thank Cheers. you, guys. Take care. Bye. Stay safe. Bye-bye. Fishing Stories is brought to you by Rep Your Water and Lock & Co. Whiskey. Thanks so much for listening to our Tales from Bolivia with Marcelo. If you want more information on jungle fishing, visit untamedangling.com and you can chat with them there. You can also check out their Instagram page at the same name. Or if you want to check out the specific Samane Lodges that we spoke about, that's T-S-I-M-A-N-E Lodges on Instagram as well. If you have your own fishing story to share, or if you just have a question or comment for us, shoot us an email at tellusafishingstory at gmail.com. Talk to you next week.